Good day, my friends. And I am right back at you with another Black History Moments with Bo. And if you should happen to be a brand new listener, I say hello and stick around because I think you will enjoy what you hear. This is not a long show, just long enough to get your attention and hopefully inspire you to want more. I hope everything is going well in your household today. And if not, I hope this program can bring you a little relief. So please just remember that drama does not just walk into your life. Either you created it, invited it, or associate with it. So right about now, we're going to slip into darkness and I'm going to pull out some truth and some facts and let the light shine on them. My friends, I must ask you, when did we actually get the right to vote? The 15th Amendment was supposed to guarantee black men the right to vote, but exercising that right became another challenge. In our history books, almost immediately after the Civil War, the United States found itself in uncharted territory. With the Confederacy's defeat, some 4 million enslaved black men, women, and children had been granted their freedom, an emancipation that would be formalized with the passage of the 13th Amendment to the Constitution. For black Americans, gaining the full rights of citizenship, and especially the right to vote, was central to securing true freedom and self-determination. Frederick Douglass said slavery is not abolished until the black man has the ballot. After Lincoln was assassinated in April of 1865, the task of reconstructing the Union fell to his successor, Andrew Johnson. Johnson, a North Carolina-born Unionist, believed in the state's rights and showed great leniency toward white Southerners in his Reconstruction policy. Of course he did. He was from North Carolina, was he not? Although we all know he didn't want to, he still required the former Confederate States to ratify the 13th Amendment and pledge loyalty to the Union, but otherwise granted them free reign in establishing their post-war governments. In other words, he told the southern states, okay, you can do whatever you want to do. And because of that, in 1865 and 66, most southern state legislatures enacted restrictive laws known as black codes, which strictly governed black citizens' behavior and denied them suffrage and other rights. So in other words, the state says, okay, you are free, but know your place. And radical Republicans in Congress were outraged, arguing that the black codes went a long way toward reestablishing slavery in 
all but name. And then in 1866, Congress passed the Civil Rights Bill, which aimed to build on the 13th Amendment and give black Americans the rights of citizens. When Johnson vetoed the bill on the basis of opposing federal action on behalf of formerly enslaved people, Congress overruled his veto, making the first time in the nation's history that major legislation became law over a presidential veto. So I guess that's one time that we can say Congress did what it was supposed to do. With passage of a new Reconstruction Act, Again over Johnson's veto, in March 1867, the era of radical or congressional reconstruction began. And because of that, over the next decade, Black Americans voted in huge numbers across the South, electing a total of 22 Black men to serve in the U.S. Congress two in the Senate and helping elect Johnson's Republican successor, Ulysses S. Grant, in 1868. Now, the 14th Amendment, approved by Congress in 1866 and ratified in 1868, granted citizenship to all persons born or naturalized in the United States, including former slaves, and guaranteed equal protection of the laws to all citizens. In 1870, Congress passed the last of the three so-called Reconstruction Amendments, the 15th Amendment, which stated that voting rights could not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of race, color, or previous conditions of servitude. You heard that right, my friends. 1870 could not be denied by any state on account of race. But whiteness will always find a way of getting around that. Simply close the voting booth. Reconstruction saw biracial democracy exist in the South for the first time, though much of the power in state governments remained in white hands. And just like black voters, black officials faced the constant threat of intimidation and violence, often at the hands of the Ku Klux Klan or other white supremacist groups. The 15th Amendment barred voting rights discrimination on the basis of race, but it left the door open for states to determine the specific qualification for suffrage. And Southern state legislatures used such qualifications, including literary tests, poll taxes, and other discriminatory practices to disenfranchise a majority of black voters in the decades following Reconstruction. As a result, white-dominated state legislatures control and effectively reestablish the black codes in the form of so-called Jim Crow laws, a system of segregation that would remain in place for nearly a century. In the 1950s and 60s, securing voting rights for African Americans in the South became a central focus of the civil rights movement. 
While the sweeping Civil Rights Act of 1964 finally banned segregation in schools and other public places, it did almost nothing to remedy the problem of discrimination in voting rights. The brutal attacks by state and local law enforcement on hundreds of peaceful marchers led by Martin Luther King and other civil rights activists in Selma, Alabama, in March 1965, drew unprecedented attention to the movement for voting rights. My friends, freedom and nothing about freedom comes free. There has always been some bloodshed to acquire it. So what did President Lyndon Johnson do? He signed into law the Voting Rights Act, which banned literacy tests and other methods used to disenfranchise black voters. In 1966, the United States Supreme Court ruled that poll taxes, which the 24th Amendment had eliminated for federal elections in 1964, were unconstitutional for state and local elections as well. Let's just face it, the North was determined to give African Americans the right to vote, and the Southern states hated it, as they do right today. You see, before passage of the Voting Rights Act, an estimated 23% of eligible black voters were registered nationwide. By 1969, that number rose to 61%. By the 1980s, the percentage of the adult black population on southern voting rolls surpassed that in the rest of the country. And by the mid-1980s, there were more black people in public office in the South than in the rest of the nation combined. Still we rise. In 2012, turnout of black voters exceeded that of white voters for the first time in history, as 66% of eligible black voters turned out to help re-elect Barack Obama the nation's first African-American president. In 2013, the Supreme Court struck down a key provision of the Voting Rights Act, ruling that it was unconstitutional to require states with a history of voter discrimination to seek federal approval before changing their election laws. So they gave it right back to the southern states, saying you can do whatever you want to do. And in that state, the court's decision, a number of states passed new restrictions on voting, including limiting early voting and requiring voters to show photo ID. Supporters argue such measures are designed to prevent voter fraud while critics say they, like poll taxes and literacy tests before them, disproportionately affect poor, elderly, Black, and Latino voters. So here we go again, my friends. Right back where we started from, almost. And I gotta say, it seems as though the whiteness in this country is running afraid. They've came out with this new thing 
about being replaced. No, they're not being replaced. It's just that more African-American people are waking up and listening to the truth being told. My friends, we are in a never-ending war for our freedom. And you know what? We won't give up. We'll keep fighting. Two steps forward and three steps back, but we'll keep coming forward. To our first-time listeners, I hope that you felt the truth. And I hope you will return to listen to more. I guarantee that I will be here. That music tells me that it's that time to go. But before I go, I'd like to leave you with this little message. The most strongest weapon in the world is truth. It's indestructible. Until next time, my friends, it's been my honor.